Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. A couple of verses, and, and it will already pierce your soul 100%. But the teaching is beautiful, and I want the teaching, but I, I also want to experience like the power of God. Because I read the book of Acts, and they were experiencing the power of God. And so as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, Jesus said when he met the woman at the well, there will come a day when we worship in both spirit and in truth. And so I've had moments in my life where if I could use this language, so if you're like big on theology, I'm sorry, this is my perspective, where I have been baptized with his spirit. Moments in my life. And it wasn't just one moment, there's been multiple moments. I would argue that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just a one moment thing. It should be continual. You should be drenched in the Spirit. You should be overwhelmed with his power at times. There have been moments in my life where I didn't know what in the world was going on. No one was pushing me. No one was doing anything weird. No one was like blowing in my face. And yet... I had this overwhelming sense of, like, I could feel God's power. Have you ever had those moments? Moments where, like, God's power is so real? Or moments where he speaks to you and you know, like, this is God. I, I would argue that all of us are searching for that. We need the teaching of the word of God. But I do not worship the word. This, I don't worship this. I worship Jesus. So hear me, the Spirit of God wrote the word, right? This word is powerful, it's alive. But if I don't have the power of God and the Spirit of God, I know a lot of theologians that know this book better than me and you. But there's just no, it's just like, they don't even really believe it. There's no power behind it. And so I've learned as I've, as I've gotten older, and my friend, I know I'm a little young, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. I got some gray hairs. I got like two right here. <laughs> but I've learned as I've walked with Jesus, as I've matured with him, as I've gone through some shadow moments, I've learned that as I continue to press in with him, I need his power. I, I need his strength. It cannot just be like, there's got to be more. Have you asked that question? There has to be more. And there is more, by the way. It's an ever-ending, overwhelming well of more with God. And so Jesus, does, John does something in this chapter, if you're with me, and I, I want to name this talk the Spirit Baptizer. So John says this. If you want to take, go with me to John chapter 1, starting at verse 29, John 1, 29. And it says this, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God, we talked about this, right, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel, 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit, capital S, come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, 
But the one who sent me, God, to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will, watch this, baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is God's chosen one. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the Spirit baptizer. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning in a powerful and tangible way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. There is a, a list of John, that John says, and he goes on, of like the I am nots. We talked about this. He says, I am not the prophet. John knew who he wasn't, but he also knew who he was. And then just a side note, we need to know who we are not to know who we are. So John goes on a list, I am not the prophet. I am not Elijah, and I am not the Messiah. But John says, I am a messenger. He says, I am a voice pointing and calling others to the way. And he says, I am also a water baptizer, not a spirit baptizer. There's a big difference, by the way. You see, something had happened at the baptism of Jesus, which had convinced John. So in this collection, which I think is interesting, John the disciple doesn't highlight the baptism of Jesus. Did you see that? But he got baptized because he said, then I saw the spirit descend on him. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all show what happens, especially Matthew. When Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, John doesn't want to tell us that story. He wants to focus in on the spirit baptizer though. Why? Because he's divine. So he wants to take us at a different angle it's like if we were sitting at a crossroads and there was four of us and we saw an accident. Well, every one of us would have a different perspective. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all were there, but they're writing a different perspective. Does that make sense? John says, I want to show you the power and the spirit behind this Jesus. I want to show you that he is not just a Messiah. He's not just a, a, a prophet. He's not just the, but he is like, he's God. So as the fathers of the church saw centuries ago, it was something which only the eye of the mind and soul could see, this spirit descending upon Jesus. But John saw it and he was convinced because something happened at this baptism. In Palestine, watch this, the dove was a sacred bird. Do you know that? The dove, it was incredibly sacred. So much so that it was not hunted and it was not eaten. They were not permitted to catch and kill doves. So could you imagine how many doves were around? A lot. Leviticus 5, 6 through 7 says this. As a penalty for the sin they have committed, they must bring to the Lord a female lamb. This is Old Testament. The, the, the lamb who takes away the sins of the, or, the world. Or a goat from the flock as a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for them for their sin. But, watch this, anyone who cannot afford a lamb is to bring two doves as a penalty for sin. So, it stood, the dove stood for purity and lowliness or humility. So, of all the birds that connect heaven and on earth by their flying and landing, the dove was the one that seemed the most suitable, the most suitable symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy, right? The Holy Spirit is pure. The Holy Spirit will see in a few moments is the most self-effacing, meaning the most humble person. We don't really talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. 
He's the most humble of the Trinity. Genesis 1-2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was, notice the language, hovering. What hovers? A bird, right? It was hovering over the waters. There's this beautiful symbolic language like the Spirit hovers then. The Spirit just, it, it, a dove especially, a bird there's something majestic about that, right? So we read of the creative spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. The, ra- the rabbis used to say that the spirit of God moved and fluttered like a dove over the ancient chaos. Watch this. Breathing order and beauty into it. That was the spirit. The picture of the dove was one which the Jews knew and loved. So if you were a Jew and you read these words of John... Spirit descended like a dove, like, oh, wow, wait, so what are you trying to say, John? He's trying to say something incredibly deep here. It was at his baptism that the Spirit came down upon Jesus with power. So we must remember that at this time, the Christian doctrine, what we're living in today, of the Spirit, had not yet come into being at all. So we have to wait for the chapters of John's gospel and for Pentecost for that to emerge, So when John the Baptist spoke of the Spirit coming on Jesus, he must have been thinking in Jewish terms. So what then was the Jewish idea of the Spirit? The Jewish word for Spirit is ruach. Can you say that? Ruach? Ruach. (laughs) Ruach. The word means wind, breath. In Judaism, there were always three basic ideas of the Spirit. The spirit was power, if you're taking notes. The spirit was power. Power like a mighty rushing wind. The spirit was life, the dynamic of human experience or existence. And the spirit was God. The power and the life of the spirit were beyond mere human achievement and attainment. The coming of the spirit into a person's life was the coming of God. So we see this in the Old Testament over and over and over again. And notice in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come and remain on a particular individual, specifically a prophet or a king. Above all, it was the Spirit who controlled and inspired the prophets. Micah 3.8 says, I am filled, this is Micah speaking, I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression to Israel his sin. God speaks to Isaiah, of my spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth. Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You hear that language? Upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news. Ezekiel said, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I will put my spirit within you. We may say that the Spirit of God did three things for those on whom he came. The first, he brought them to the truth of God. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, which if you believe Jesus, you have him. When you have the Holy Spirit, he's the one who convicts you based off truth. Is this right or wrong, man? Like, it's either right or wrong. Is this truth? If it's not truth, then I don't want it. And so there's a conviction. The problem is we don't like the conviction because we want to just move forward in it. Because there's pleasure outside of the conviction, but it's momentary. 
But the Spirit already convicted you on the truth of that. So if you just listen to God, he'll actually lead you and guide you. The Bible says he's your mighty counselor. He's the one that gives you direction. But again, if we're not spending time with God, if we're not spending time in his truth, then how will we know the truth? He leads you. He guides you. The second, he gave them power to recognize that truth when he saw it or when they saw it. And the third is he gave them the ability and the courage to preach that truth to others. That's the Old Testament. He gives us power. He gave, he gave the kings or the prophets power. He gave them truth. And then he gave them courage to preach. To a Jew, the spirit was God coming into a person's life. Also, the Old Testament makes plain that the long-awaited Messiah would be empowered by the spirit of God. And in this day, in his day, the spirit would be poured out on all people in a wonderful way. I know I'm going like very teachy right now, but we need to know this, okay? This is very crucial that we understand the humble person of the Trinity. Because oftentimes he's like left in the back, right? For example, Isaiah 11, 1 to 2 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. We're talking about the Messiah to come. Isaiah 42, 1, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Isaiah 61, 1, this is the text Jesus quoted about himself, by the way. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus walks into a synagogue. Imagine, and he's like, hey, I got something to say. And then he quotes this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is why God said to John in John 1.33, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. That one is the Messiah. That one is the lamb of God who takes away the sin. Do you, does that make sense? So if you're a Jew, you know this. You read Isaiah, you read Ezekiel, you understand the Old Testament, you understand the scrolls of old, and so you understood that the Spirit would rest, and there, there was a prophecy that the Spirit would rest upon whoever this Messiah was to be. And so he says, the Spirit of God, a dove came down and what? Rested upon this man. In other words, the prophet said it would be this way. So when you see it happen, know that the one who baptizes with the Spirit has come. Now, do you see what John the baptizer is doing here? At Jesus' baptism, the Spirit came upon Jesus in a different way from all the other persons in Scripture. Most of the Old Testament have might have been called brief experiences of the Spirit. They were just but brief. They have had their moments of dazzling illumination, of extraordinary power, like Elijah bringing like, fire from heaven, of superhuman courage. But these moments came and they went. Twice in verses 32 to 3, John goes out of his way to point out that the Spirit remained on Jesus. There was this, he, he, was, he was settled like a bird, like a dove that comes down and settles down. Here was no momentary inspiration. In Jesus, the Spirit took up his permanent residence. And that is still another way of saying that the mind and the power of God were uniquely in Jesus. 
So when we look at baptism here, we can learn a great deal of what the word baptism means. The Greek verb means to dip or to submerge. You're either dipped or you're submerged. We just did baptisms last week. We submerged you, right? There's a submersion. It could be used of clothes being dipped into dye, and it could be used of a ship submerged beneath the waters. When John says that Jesus will baptize or submerge with the Holy Spirit, he means that Jesus can bring God's Spirit to us in such a way that you and I are saturated and our life and being are flooded with that Spirit. Does that make sense? And so you have to ask yourself, have I experienced that? Like that, that like saturation, like it's like jumping into a pool. It's not just like a, a drip. It's not just a small amount. It's, it's an overwhelming experience. It's an overwhelming moment with God. It's an encounter. Now, what did this baptism mean for John? His own baptism meant two things. One, it meant cleansing, and it meant being washed from the impurities that cling to us. And two, it meant dedication. It meant going out into a new and different and better life. Baptizing with water and the spirit is the difference between a person and a painting, okay? Baptism with water and the spirit is a difference between a person and a painting. It's between a marriage and a ring. It's between birth and a birth certificate, between immersion in water and immersion in God. There's a difference. But Jesus' baptism was a baptism of the Spirit. If we remember the Jewish conception of the Spirit, we can say that when the Spirit takes possession of us, certain things happen. So let me ask you this. Our lives are enlightened. Have you experienced that? There comes to us the knowledge of God and God's will. Like all of a sudden, it's like, like something's like taken from your eyes. It says that in Ephesians, that like the, the eyes of our heart are opened. So when there's like a submersion of the spirit of God in your life, when Jesus brings the spirit of God in your all of a sudden, you start catching God's will. And what is God's will? Well, it's truth. So then we don't want what is not true, Right? So we have to pay close attention to our soul. Where are you with God and with the Spirit? Because if you're not convicted, that's terrifying territory to be in. Like, there were moments in my life where I knew what I was doing was wrong and I was doing it anyway. That's terrifying, by the way. Because you know what you're doing and you're doing it anyway, so you're blatantly saying, God, I don't want you. And that's complete opposite of what the Spirit brings. So in other words, I'm telling the Spirit of God, don't leave my life. Don't direct my life. I don't want your will. And then we fall into so much chaos because the Spirit brings order, not chaos. And then we wonder why our lives are so chaotic. My friend, you need direction in the Spirit of God in your life. But if you don't have a sense of understanding his will, then my question is, do you have the Spirit? Have you invited him into your life? He enlightens you. There comes to us the knowledge of God and his will. We know that God's purpose is what life means and where duty lies. Some of God's wisdom and light has come into us. The second is our lives are strengthened. Knowledge without power is a haunting and frustrating thing. Let me say that again. Knowledge without power is terrifying. 
but the Spirit gives us not only knowledge to know the right, but also strength and power to do it. The Spirit gives us a triumphant adequacy to cope with life. Our lives are purified. That's the third. Christ's baptism with the Spirit was to be a baptism, watch this, of fire. That's a purification. Fire brings a purification to whatever is bad, right, to whatever is evil, to whatever is not good, and it purifies it. So where are you at with all of this? Because the Bible just told us, John just told us, that Jesus brings the Spirit. And what, what my prayer is for you this morning is that you would encounter that Spirit. He, he is a God to be encountered. And I, I think the, the problem that we have is, at least for me, if I can just be honest, because I've had so many bad experiences, like I, I don't want to even step into like, the possibility of a bad experience. But I've recognized some of you have never even had that opportunity. Some of you have never even felt like this overwhelming power take over your life. And, and, and can I be honest, it doesn't, it's not the same possibly for every person. It's not like you feel like shaky. It's not like you feel like this warmth. It's not, for some, it's just your mind shifts. You begin to see the will of God. You begin to experience this truth. You begin to, and then all of a sudden, watch this. When you read the Bible, because at some point you're like, yeah, man, I read, I read that and I saw the teaching of Jesus. And it's like, okay. But it's like, when you, when you encounter the spirit of God and then you go back, have you, have you experienced like the conviction? You're like, whoa. <laughs> Where you go back and you read it and you're like, something is different here. I, I have a longing for this now. There, there, there's, there's a grasp that's pulling me in. There, there's something that I, I desire more. I, I don't just want like this momentary life. I want all of it with God. I want to be submerged. I don't want to just be half in and half out. The scripture says in the Revelation, God speaking, he's saying, don't be lukewarm about this. Either you're in or you're out. And the language is actually terrifying he says, so if you're lukewarm, like no one likes lukewarm water, right? It literally says, go read it. He says, I'll spit you out. That's, I, I, you're either in or you're out, man. Like, are you serious about this? And, and when I say in or out, I mean, like, are you in with life or do you want death? It's like, yes, that's black and white. Good, it should be. Because if you want darkness, go towards darkness. You will not find will, God's will. You'll find your will. And your will will take you straight to hell, friend. So if you want life, then take on the spirit of truth in your life. And he will give you life. It's very simple in my mind, but it's also very difficult for us. Why is it difficult? Well, maybe you don't have the spirit, friend. And so you can let your theology work with that. I've worked with that for a long time. But I have Jesus, and I have the Spirit. Of course you have the Spirit, but are you enlightened? Of course you have the Spirit, but are you drawn to truth? Of course you have the Spirit, but have you encountered His power? So desire that. Long for that. Ask God for that. Don't just wait. Like, ask God, I want your power. I want the supernatural strength. And when God came, when the Spirit of God came on Pentecost, he didn't just remain on Jesus, because watch this, we miss this a lot. Jesus, 
He's resurrected, and the scripture says he comes to and fro. He's like walking through doors. The resurrected Jesus. But then there's a moment where he says, I'm going to breathe, Ruach, I'm going to breathe life into you. Receive, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He told that to his disciples. Wait, but they believed in Jesus. Why, why did he need to do that? Why? Because the power of God empowers you. The Spirit empowers you so that you have a boldness like you've never had before. When the power of God comes upon you, it's like Samson who pushes down the pillars. That's what happened, by the way, when he pushed down the pillars. Now, I'm not saying you're going to have supernatural strength and, like, hold up a building. But I'm talking about within your soul. I'm talking about within you. And my friend, when you begin to walk with God, live with God, when you begin to breathe in his life, it is so much deeper than you think. There is a submersion, and it's never-ending, by the way. So I just am like, I want to go deeper. I like swimming. I did water polo, and you, like, you do the, the egg beater thing. And what I, what I don't want in, my, in, in, in our community, what I don't want in our church is to have a bunch of people that love God and love Jesus and love the Father but have negated the Holy Spirit. And he's so humble because he is humble. It's like Aiden and Brandon in the back. Can you just look back at them? You see them? They don't get any, any praise or accolade. It's not what we're here for. But that is a posture of humility. My friend, that's what the Spirit of God does. He's the posture of humility. So when you're walking in truth and you're abiding and you're following and you're listening, we say, thank you, Father, and yes, it was the Father. Thank you, Jesus, and yes, it was Jesus. But it was actually the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That same power that rested upon Jesus, he says, he will come and rest on you. So wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for him, Jesus tells the disciples. And then the day of Pentecost comes. And what happens on that day? It was a day that changed everything for humanity, history for humanity. No longer did we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell on us. He then becomes within us. The same spirit that remained on Jesus is the same spirit that when you ask, when you invite him, he will not just come and be every once in a while. He will remain. And so all of a sudden, you don't want to watch porn anymore. And all of a sudden, you don't want to drink like you drank anymore. And all of a sudden, you don't want to live like you used to live anymore. And there's moments where it's supernatural, but there's also moments, don't forget the truth. It's a progress. You're walking this, man. I need the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God. I'm not here to lie to you. It might not happen like this. Your addiction, your drug addiction might not happen and be gone like this. It does though, by the way, I've seen it. But it also could be, all right, I gotta walk this out. I gotta grow in this. I need community. I need a brother or sister to call me out. I need people to speak into my life because they have the spirit of God and I have the spirit of God and the spirit of God is gonna direct me towards truth. Does that make sense? So in the moments that we have together, not here for emotionalism it's not what this is about if you're just like man like that is exciting like, like that's really cool 
when, when I was in, this was a particular theology, so let me just share this. When I was in Bible school, they would say, you can't go into the mission field until you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They would say that. And then I'd be like, that's not right. They already have the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, of course. But like a, a submersion of the Holy Spirit because you need supernatural boldness and supernatural strength. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, I don't like that. That's okay. It's between you and God. I'm just telling you what I've experienced in my life. I'm just telling you the only one that gets me through the night is the power of God. I'm just telling you the only one that calls me to more is the spirit of truth. I'm just telling you when I don't want to be somewhere, I step into faithfulness. And what's faithfulness? That comes from the fruit of spirit. I'm just telling you when I have moments where I get angry and upset, right, and me and Kelly are having a moment, I have to go back and say, where was the Holy Spirit? That was not the Holy Spirit, Sammy. What's, what's wrong with you? Take on the spirit of truth. Because when you have truth and you fixate your mind on truth, you begin to walk in truth. So where are you with the power in the spirit of God this morning? And do you want to encounter that God? And do you want to experience that God? And if that's, if that's you, you're like, yeah, man, I, I want that. Can I just, can I be prayed for? Like, whatever that is, I want to be prayed for. If that's you, could you just stand up? Just come, come here to the front. We want to pray with everybody. Anyone who is like, I, I want more. I want to, like, encounter. I just want to experience. I'm not here for show, but, like, I, I just want to, like, have this sense of, like, okay, Jesus is a spirit baptizer, which, and by the way, you can be baptized in the spirit multiple times. I could show you. I don't have time. I could prove it to you in the scriptures. Just read the book of Acts, Acts 21 particularly. There was a time where John was going, uh, uh, Paul was going, and people were being baptized, and they go, to, they go and they see Paul, and Paul's like, hey, um, did you get baptized? And they're like, yeah. Was it, and he says, was it water baptism? Because that's man's baptism. And they're like, no, yeah, we got water baptized. He's like, oh, no, no, you need to be spirit baptized now. And the script, my Bible says, your Bible says in Acts 21, maybe I think it's Acts 19, that he prays for them and they get empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you do with that as you must. I just listen to the truth. I just abide in the word. We get too uncomfortable about it. We get too weird about it. We think it's this and that. It's like, no, I just want the power of God. In this coming week, I need the spirit of God. Because people were coming to me and asking me questions and I don't really know, so it might not be mine. I gotta get the mind of God. How do I get the mind of God? I need the spirit of God. How do I get the spirit of God? I need to be baptized by the spirit. Continually, always, walking in him, abiding in him. So if that's you this morning, I just, I invite you to stand. Just stand. Say, yeah, man, I want want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody in the room? You're like, I want the baptism. Yeah, I see you. I I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anyone else? I want, I want Jesus, and Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. I want Jesus, and Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. I desire the Father, and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit work as one. Anyone else from over here? No one? You're good? Just put, put your hands out in front of you. Yeah, just say, Holy Spirit, baptize me with you Holy Spirit baptize me with your power Holy Spirit empower me 
Holy Spirit, give me direction. God's direction. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, comfort me. And it's in Jesus' name.